I'll begin by making reference to John 6.48 and then after that 1 Peter 2 verses 1 and 2. John 6.48 Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That concerns spiritual nourishment. To be spiritually nourished, we must sustain ourselves through our relationship with God. And that relationship with God involves Jesus, the bread of life. That bread is not like an appetizer. It isn't a side dish or an occasional snack. It is necessary spiritual nourishment. All that Jesus is, all that he did, all that he has said, all that he has illustrated about following him, discipleship, we must partake of all of that. That is our life bread to be spiritually well. And then in 1 Peter 2 verses 1 and 2, the same kind of imagery, though in, in some regards in a negative sense, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation." Here's one way to look at that passage. If Christ is not my nourishment, my life, I'm open to these destructive attitudes, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Peter said, put all that away. You might consider that to be junk food. Long for... And partake of the pure milk of the word. Again, spiritual nourishment, spiritual wellness. That's the idea. My relationship with God through Jesus Christ must be a life, a life of active faith, growth, worship, and serving. And all of that can be comprehended under being well-nourished being spiritually well. And what I'm going to do tonight is extend that figure and talk about heart, tongue, feet, and hands. I must be engaged in the maintenance of my spiritual health. And one term that seems to fit that, spiritual wellness. And I'm going to break that down for us into these points. Heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, this speaks to inner source. If we think of a flow of water or spring, the heart is the source of how we live. However, we know that this reference in Proverbs, and another one I'm going to take us to in a moment in Luke 18, these references are not about the physical organ in the chest that pumps blood. 
No, this is the inner part of us where thought, choice, will, and emotion exist. So, for example, when I read something or hear something, I process that with what the Bible calls my heart. The heart is where I make choices. The heart is where good worship begins. But the heart is also where temptation is aimed, where immature attitudes are formed, hopefully rejected, not nurtured, where evil is conceived, and where growth is paused or stunted or pursued. The source is the heart, the inner person. Spiritual wellness requires a good heart. Spiritual cardiology. Where God lives, where Jesus is honored, where the words revealed by the Spirit change us and keep us on course. Now the other passage I have here is in Luke 18. Luke 18. Here's another way the Bible uses the word heart. This is about our heart, our mind, knowing how God's justice toward the elect finds grace when we pray. Where does prayer originate? In the heart. So listen, please, in Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? Notice two things connected in the opening verse of this passage. Prayer and not losing heart. If we had as our God someone like the unrighteous judge who would just keep postponing and throwing us off and turning us in some other direction, we'd lose heart. But we do not lose heart because we have a God who, verse 8, gives justice to his people speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, my spiritual health, my ongoing wellness requires a heart that depends on the God of justice. 
We depend upon him. We make our appeal to him in prayer. We engage in pure behavior and resisting evil because of our respect for the righteous, singular God we serve. So let us pray to him, the righteous judge, and not lose heart. We sing the song, Is Your Heart Right With God? That song isn't just for non-Christians. It is for every one of us to look inside consistently, deep enough, and long enough to determine if we are really right with God. And if not, where is the heart trouble? And will I discover it and use the word to deal with it and repent and ask forgiveness? Is your heart right with God. That is at the source or root of spiritual wellness. The tongue. I was born tongue-tied. Occasionally there may be people who wish it had never been repaired. But within a few days after my birth, my parents had that corrected. Now that was a physical thing. When the Bible speaks of the tongue in, for example, 1 Peter 3 and verse 10 and James chapter 3, it isn't just about a physical, mechanical process. It is about communication. It's about what we say and how we say it. And here is a connection between the first two points. Here we make a connection between the heart and the tongue. And you know why we make that connection? Because Jesus made it. In Matthew 12, 34, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's look at some other passages about this part of our wellness. 1 Peter 3.10 is quoting from Psalms 34, and it says, Whoever desires to live a good life or love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. The Bible says that good living is not just saying anything based on the impulse of your mood or temper. A good life here is identified with a wise and disciplined use of your tongue. That's part of our spiritual wellness, having a heart that's right with God, and therefore from that heart, pure communication flows. I know you've heard this before. It never will hurt us to hear it again in James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue 
is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Spiritual wellness requires a clean heart, a healthy heart, and a tongue that speaks no guile. Immature impulses of heart that find expression through the tongue can be unhealthy. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You may recall that song that we sing that says, angry words, oh, let them never soil our lips. This familiar biblical imagery has to do with mobility. Feet, where we go. You may recall the children's song immediately comes to mind. Be careful little feet where you go. Or you may remember the hymn that we often sing, Marching on to Zion. Feet has to do with mobility. There can be no doubt that where we go, who we are with, where we stand, where we stay, where we go next, all that has a direct bearing on our relationship with God and displays whether or not we're serious about eternity. Isaiah, Solomon, David, and Paul all talked about feet that run to do evil. That's movement in the wrong direction. There is movement in the right direction. Romans chapter 10 verse 15, Blessed are the feet that take the gospel to sinners. There is feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace in Ephesians 6.15. In Proverbs 4.26, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. And do you remember that man Asaph in the book of Psalms chapter 73 who narrates the episode of doubt that he went through. And at one point he says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity 
of the wicked. I recommend you read that chapter, the 73rd Psalm. Spiritual wellness is what we're considering tonight. It involves heart, tongue, feet, and hands. We are to become the feet and hands of Christ. To show people the way. To take the message of salvation to the lost. And to serve people with the compassion and care of Christ. You remember the song again. Be careful little hands what you do. Hands as it pertains to spiritual health. Has to do with work also. Perhaps responsibility that might involve physical work or mental work. Ephesians 4.28 and 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Anyone who has been stealing, Ephesians 4.28, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands that he might have something to share with those in need. And likewise, in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. Jesus spoke of putting our hands to the plow. And do you remember this in the book of Psalms? Who shall ascend into the hill of Jehovah and who shall stand in his holy place he that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully them that seek after him that seek thy face and then maybe you recall in Proverbs 31 that godly woman who works willingly with her hands, providing food for her household, clothing her family. And it says in verse 27 of Proverbs 31, she does not eat the bread of idleness. This song kept ringing in my mind as I worked up this sermon. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other work than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongue is speaking the things his lips would spurn. How can we hope to help him or welcome his return? So, is it well with my soul 
When I obeyed the gospel, when you responded, we were giving our lives, minds, and bodies to God for the highest purposes. To fit us to be with him in heaven someday, Christ made that all possible. I will never reach a time or place while breathing that I can stop attending to my spiritual health. Is it well with your soul? Let's be standing while we sing.